Hi everyone, how you doing? Welcome to part four of the Italian Job, our amazing series, which has been uh, really inspiring, really encouraging me. And if you haven't yet listened back to weeks one to three, I'd really encourage you to get online, listen back. It's been a really, really great series. So I think you're all here now. Let me try that again. Good morning. You unlikely looking bunch. You unlikely looking bunch of Con Corneliuses? Con Cornelii? Is that the plural? Good morning, unlikely Cornelii. Uh, good morning, you unlikely looking bunch of Peters. Who knows what I'm talking about? Because the Italian job is all about unlikely candidates being used by God to do unlikely amazing things. And last week we looked at, uh, two weeks ago, we looked at Peter. We paused on Peter and how much of an unlikely candidate he was to be used by God. And this week we're going to look a bit more at the chapter again and we're going to find out what part he played uh, in Acts chapter 10 uh, and how uh, God used him in a, in a really practical way. So let's look at the passage. I'll read it off the screen. You guys can follow along. I'm kind of chopping and changing a bit. We're looking at Acts 10 verses 9 to 28 um, and then we're kind of skipping forward a little bit more to some other bits. And I've taken it from the voice this week because it has a really great take on it. Just as these men were nearing Joppa about noon the next day, Peter went up onto the flat rooftop of Simon the Tanner's house. He planned to pray, but he soon grew hungry. While his lunch was being prepared, Peter had a vision of his own, a vision that linked his present hunger with what was about to happen. A rift opened in the sky, and a wide container, something like a huge sheet, suspended by its four corners, descended through the torn opening towards the ground. This container teemed with four-footed animals, creatures that crawl, and birds, pigs, bats, lizards, snakes, frogs, toads, and vultures. A voice said, get up, Peter, kill, eat, Peter said. No way, Lord, these animals are forbidden in the dietary laws of the Hebrew scriptures. I've never eaten non-kosher foods like these before, not even once in my life, the voice. If God calls something permissible and clean, you must not call it forbidden and dirty. Peter saw this vision three times, but the third time the container of animals flew up through the rift into the sky and the rift healed. And Peter was confused and unsettled as he tried to make sense of this strange vision. At that very moment, Peter heard the voices of Cornelius' delegation, who had asked for directions to Simon's house coming from the front gate. The delegation said, uh, Is there a man named Simon, also called Peter, staying at this house? Then we skip to verse 19. It says, Peter's mind was still racing about the vision when the voice of the Holy Spirit broke through his churning thoughts. Holy Spirit, the three men who are searching for you have been sent by me. So get up, go with them, don't hesitate, don't argue. Peter rushed downstairs to the men. Peter, I'm the one you're seeking. Can you tell me why you've come? Delegation. We've been sent by our commander and master, Cornelius. He's a centurion and he is a good, honest man who worships your God. All the Jewish people speak well of him and a holy messenger told him to send for you so that you would come to his house and he could hear your message. Peter extended hospitality to them and gave them lodging overnight. When they departed together the next morning, Peter brought some believers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the next afternoon, just before three o'clock. 
Cornelius had anticipated their arrival and had assembled his relatives and close friends to welcome them. When Peter and Cornelius met, Cornelius fell at Peter's feet in worship, but Peter helped him up. Peter, stand up, man, I am just a human being. They talked and entered the house to meet the whole crowd inside. Peter, you know I am a Jew. We Jews consider it a breach of divine law to associate, much less share hospitality with outsiders. But God has shown me something in recent days. I should no longer consider any human beneath me or unclean. And that's why I made no objection when you invited me. Rather, I came willingly. Now, let me hear the story of why you invited me here. Should we pray? God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's so precious. It's life to us. Bring life to your words in our hearts and our minds this morning. Help us change. We settle the matter now that we will receive your word and respond to it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We love stories at this church. I love that story. We must do because it's the fourth of six weeks we're going to spend looking at this one story. But I want to start with a different story. I want to tell you a story about a guy called Brandon Hatmaker. Brandon Hatmaker. Brandon Hatmaker is not, in fact, a hatmaker. How disappointing is that? Uh, but I did manage to find a picture of Brandon Hatmaker at least wearing a hat. So uh, that made me happy. And um, Brandon had a friend called Steve. And Steve founded uh, a project called the Eden Project. And this project was working in Ethiopia. And Ethiopia had really suffered from like a massive deforestation of its land. The land had been really stripped bare um, through lots of different reasons, government initiatives, repopulation, kind of industry, uh, they'd, the land had really, really suffered. So the Eden Project went over to Ethiopia and they had a goal to reforest all the devastated land in Ethiopia. And their vision was to plant 100 million trees, which I can't say without sounding like Dr. Evil. 100 million trees. That was their vision. And so uh, Steve was a great guy, and Brandon was a good friend, right? So he wanted to support his friend, and as he was praying one day back home in America, he felt God say to him, hey, go to Ethiopia and help your friend Steve. So let's fast forward a few months later, and Brandon finds himself sat on the airplane, on the runway. He's about to take off to go to Ethiopia, um, and he's really struggling inside. He's got various obstacles to overcome um, before the plane even takes off. One, he's terrified of flying. Uh, two, he's leaving behind his family. He had young children. You know, he was having to take time off work, use his annual leave up. You know, it was costing him quite a lot of money to make this trip. As he sat on the plane, he's like, he just recognizes this kind of reluctant attitude, I suppose, like rising up within him. Um, and so he kind of hunches down in his plane seat. He's here, here's the window. There's him, another guy and a woman. So he kind of turns to the way to face the window and he prays and this is what he prays according to his book God I'm sorry I'm trying but I just don't get it I do not want to be on this plane I feel like I'm wasting time and money so if this really is important to you will you please overcome my ignorance overcome my doubt and blindness will you connect the dots and show me what I'm missing amen and he opens his eyes and the guy sat next to him a man says to him, uh, hi, he introduces himself, what's your name, why are you going to Ethiopia? Now, Brandon could have said something really non-committal and vague, because Christians are good at that, right? 
awkward. We're really good at saying things like, oh, you know, so your colleague might say to you, oh, what are you doing at the weekend? And you're like, oh, um, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, um, I'm going to invest in my community because you're not sure if they're ready to know that you're a Christian yet. Or you might say, um, I'm taking my kids to a, to a kids club. It's, uh, it's in a church building. And um, while they're at the kids club, I might uh, listen to some music and do an arm workout. And, uh, a few different times, and then I'm going to pick them up and go home. What about you? What are you doing? You know, so Brandon could have said something, you know, a bit random and vague. I'm going to work for a charity. I'm going to go see a friend. But after his prayer, what he finds coming out of his mouth is, Hi, my name's Brandon, and I'm going to Ethiopia to plant trees. Now, Brandon is not even really into trees that much, which was part of the obstacles that he had to overcome to even make this trip. But that's what he finds coming out of his mouth. He was going to plant trees. And so the man next to him sort of smiles and responds. And then the lady next to him turns to the guy in the middle and and says something to him in Amharic, because it's her local dialect. She's from Ethiopia. Um, And he answers back, and they have a little conversation. And Brandon's watching this conversation happening. And then all of a sudden, this woman gets out of her seat And on the plane, you know, before they take off, she's whooping, she's hollering, she's clapping her hands, she's like pumping her fists in the air, she's praising the Lord, and then she starts to cry. Brandon's like, what is going on? So he kind of asks the the man in the middle for an explanation, and he explains, this is my mother that I'm talking to. And she has um, been absolutely devastated by the way that her generation has treated their land. Um, And she's been so upset and grieved in her spirit for the way her generation has ruined such large parts um, of the forest in Ethiopia. And she's been praying for 38 years that God would send somebody to plant trees in Ethiopia. Amazing. Absolutely incredible. Uh, And I, you know, I think God answered Brandon's prayer very, very clearly um, in that moment. I think he must have had confirmation in his spirit that he was the right person in the right place at the right time for what God had for him. You know, it had been uncomfortable for him to say yes. You know, any of those obstacles could have stopped him making that trip. And he didn't even know what the outcome of that trip was going to be. But he was obedient and he said yes to God. And because he was obedient and because he said yes to God, God was able to use him to be the yes to somebody else's prayer. You know, God was able to use his obedience to release an answer to prayer in somebody else's life because that's the blessing and the fruit of being obedient to God. He can use us to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. You know, and we see a parallel of this in Peter's story. We can say the same thing and we can see the same thing happening in this chapter. So Cornelius doesn't know the outcome of his journey. God tells him to go with these men and he doesn't know why. He doesn't know what's going to happen. Uh, he knew that he was going to an unclean household. Uh, and in verse 28, you know, Peter made it clear that was a divine breach of law, the words that he used to describe this trip that he was about to undertake. You know, this, he was forbidden from even having uh, acquaintances, friends that were Jew- uh, non-Jewish, let alone going to stay in the house and sharing meals um, with someone from the non-Jewish community. Now, that's a really big obstacle to get past, you know. It's kind of a fear of flying type obstacle for him to move past. He doesn't know where he's going. And in the middle of this experience of being called by God to go somewhere, he has this vision. And this vision is like, it's highly disturbing. It's, you know, it's shockingly offensive, actually, this vision that he has suddenly in the middle of this experience. And he sees all these animals that the Jewish community considered unclean coming down from heaven 
And God tells him to slaughter these animals without any of the rituals normally associated with killing even clean animals and tells Peter to eat them. This is really offensive for somebody that has lived their life uh, according to, you know, only eating clean foods and kosher foods, um, you know, killed and sacrificed in a particular way. And the passage tells us that his mind was um, racing or his mind was reeling. And yet in the middle of all of that confusion, all that difficulty, all that lack of understanding that God's shown in this weird thing, it's so unknown, he's so confused, he's still obedient and goes with God to the unknown and to the unclean and to the unresolved at this stage in the chapter. And because he was obedient to God, because he said yes to God, even though there were so many obstacles to him saying yes, he became the answer to Cornelius' prayer. And he became the answer to you know, God's divine desire to bring all of humanity into relationship with him and to take the gospel beyond the Jewish community uh, and into the world at large. It's an amazing yes to God that releases an amazing yes to us. And the animal vision, as Peter's kind of experiencing this and going on this journey, he comes to understand what this big vision about the animals and the bats and the toads and the sheep, he comes to realize that this is a picture of God's desire for humanity. It's a picture of God's desire to remove the barrier between the Jewish community, the clean community, and the rest of the world that were considered unclean through the cross to take that barrier away and through Jesus' sacrifice for everyone to be made clean. You know, there's now no more inequality. There's now no more division. Through Christ, God wants to make everybody involved. You know, the outsiders, we said last week, are in with a chance again. And this is a this is a sign that God's operating under a new system of grace and that we're here moving away from the old system of the law that required them to only eat certain things in certain ways. You know, if you want God to use you, choose to see past the obstacles in your way. Choose to accept the challenge of the unknown. Choose to believe that you're the right person in the right place at the right time and that God has placed you. You know, it sounds easy saying it from the stage, but I know it's not easy in real life just to get over your obstacles um, and choose to be the right person in the right place at the right time. Because actually, it can get really uncomfortable just kind of dropping everything, getting up and going wherever God calls you to do. And I had an experience of this about a year ago. Um, my mum was really ill. Um, she had like a kind of an ear infection and she was meant to be flying to Germany to speak at a woman's encounter. She was the main keynote speaker. They booked her in months in advance, but you would with my mom. She's the main pastor here. She's brilliant. She's a great speaker, really good at women's ministry. And the church in Germany was so excited about having her to minister. And as the, um, as the time to travel got closer and closer, you know, she wasn't feeling any better. And her team were praying with her every day. We were visualizing God's healing for her. We were you know, desperate that God would move and change her ear infection and this kind of sickness that was coming with it so that she'd be able to fly and make the women's encounter. Um, and uh, by Wednesday night, she was still feeling really, really rough. And um, she decided not to go. And she decided that instead she would send myself and Roxana, which Roxana, being an optimist, responded to very positively. Uh, I found it much more challenging because it essentially meant that we had Thursday to find, um, to reallocate our workloads, to find childcare, um, to prepare three or four messages between us, uh, to pack bags and be on a plane at 
oh, 4 a.m. or something on Friday morning. It was like a whirlwind of a day. Um, it was rushed, it was pressured. Um, and I found myself, much like Brandon Hatmaker, although I wasn't wearing a hat, I did two hats. Um, and I was sat on, sat on this aeroplane. Here was the window, here was me, here was Roxana, who was probably singing and praising God because she's just wonderful like that, uh, and somebody else. And I did my own little turning to the window moment, hunching down in my seat and like saying to God, God, why am I here? What is going on? I don't want to be here. I don't, I don't feel like the right person for this. You know, they, they wanted my mom and they've ended up with the daughter. You know, they ordered the boss and they got the interns. You know, they don't even really want us there. You know, it was so hard seeing the disappointment on this lady's face on Skype when she found out that mom wasn't coming and, you know, we're going to a different church, you've got to do everything through a different language, I've had a day to prepare my messages, I don't think they're very good, this is not right, this shit, how is this happening to me? And I was quite low in my spirit about it all and quite desperate not to be there, to be honest. And I'd had to shelve um, my own plans that weekend, it was my wedding anniversary and it was Mother's Day and we had this big thing planned and, you know, had to let all of that go and... Somehow, we'd been, a, well, Roxanne had found it easy. I found it hard to be obedient. Um, and we were, we said yes anyway, and we were on this plane. And, and then I realized, you know, who's, I just felt like God's spirit cut through. And I had this question in my spirit, you know, whose name is on the ticket? Whose name is on your ticket for this flight? And of course, it was my name that they managed to get on this ticket and Roxanne's name on this ticket. And I thought, yeah, you know, God knew it was always going to be my name on this ticket. Like, there's no mistake he knew this was coming. He's prepared me in advance for this. Like, I've got to choose to believe that I am, in fact, the right person in the right place at the right time. And deep breath, you know, let it go. Focus on God. 